I have a question. Have you ever heard the little voice inside your head telling you what to do, what not to do, the good things and the bad things? Well, let me tell you, it's real. Hi, I'm Madison Roach, and this is my podcast, The Metrics of Success. Lately, I've stumbled upon a theory about a war on happiness. This war consists of two sides. A little voice in your head telling you all the things you should do, always knowing that it's right. And secondly, the other side is the matrix. The matrix includes social media, TV, and everything that makes you want to buy products that will make you that will not make you truly happy. For example, if you see a nice car on TV and want to buy it, it may make it may make you feel happy for a second. But then you realize that in a few years you will want a new car. And this cycle keeps on going. You keep on spending and truly you are never happy. But let's back up a bit. How did we get here? When you ask someone what makes them happy, they usually mention small things like hanging out with friends, working out, or playing soccer. These things give you a glimpse of happiness, but they are not pure happiness. The true definition of pure happiness would be helping others, spending time with your family, being challenged, trying something new, or accomplishing something new. That is the pursuit of happiness. If you go out and start pursuing all the small things that make you happy, like playing soccer, hanging out with friends, or going to the gym, that's fun. But it's not what your whole life pursuit should be about. If you live if you live like this, only trying to do things that make you happy, life will be empty at the end of the day. And you'll be sad because you only have those glimpses of short periods of fun, not happiness. So, going back to the war on happiness, how does this all connect? Boom. The fact is, in order to be happy, you have to beat the war. You have to manage to escape the matrix. You have to listen to that little voice inside your head telling you the good things. Don't do this. Go help that person. Go do this. Those little things that help you are going to change your life. If you fall into the trap of the matrix, such as seeing a commercial on TV and wanting to buy what they're selling, 
you have fallen into the trap. It's very dangerous to fall into the trap. And the matrix is everywhere. When you wake up, you look at your phone, boom, you see something you want to buy. You go on TV, you watch a commercial, and boom, everything. You're driving to work, and you see a billboard. It's all around you. The matrix is all around you. We have to find a way to take a step back, realize what we're doing, and focus on the little voice in our head. And that is how we pursue happiness. Hi, my name is Max Roach. My podcast, The Metrics of Success. Here I have More Jonathan Bentakin. My Barbara teacher. My Barbara teacher, my one of the most amazing people I know. He can talk about anything for an hour and <laughs> truly incredible. Thank you, Max. Thank you for the introduction. I think that you are giving too much credit to me. (laughs) Okay, very good. So tell me, Max, what's the topic today? So today we're going to be talking about the war on happiness. And the war is the war. And this Mm -hmm. war consists of two sides. A little voice in your head telling you the good things to do, the things not to do, and everything that you should do and not do. And that, that voice is in the back of your head. That voice is very small. And then the other side is how I've researched it. It says the Matrix. And the Matrix is like in the movie. It's loud. It's big. It's, it's, it's all around you. And this includes social media, TV, commercials, billboards, everything that wants, everything that wants, that you want that makes you want to buy products that will make you happy for a second, maybe not truly happy. So knowing that, and what is your opinion on this war? At least. The first, the first thing I must say, uh, Max, is that uh, obviously this is a a very, very deep topic. It's a topic that, uh, uh, with most probability, we're not going to solve in a in a podcast of 20 minutes, but definitely we can do our best to to try to talk about it. Yeah. Um, there is definitely so much being said. Probably one of the topics that uh, that has been discussed since times immemorial, since the ancient times, by almost absolutely every single philosopher, uh, every single philosopher or every single thinker, even religious um, uh, literature. Uh, it, it's basically around the question of. Uh, of happiness, of, of of what exactly what exactly is happiness? How do we measure happiness? How do we reach happiness? Is, is it reachable at all? Is it not reachable? Is is, is it paradoxical at, at at its core, or if it's not? So definitely, there is a lot to say about this. Now, the two points that you are raising, um, can you repeat for me the first point, not the second point, the matrix one? I understood it well, and we will talk about that later. But what was the first point? What is that that you talk about the voices in your head? Well, what exactly are can you repeat that one, please? Yeah, of course. That little voice in your head, it's like your conscience. It's like it's its telling you the good things to do. Like when you go and you see some people doing drugs and then your voice is tell, 
that little voice is telling you, don't do this, don't do this. And it depends of what you go and and what you do depends on you winning the war. And the fact that that little voice is so small, so tiny, but it's always there in the back of the head. So the, the real challenge is stepping back, realizing where you are, blocking out the matrix, and focusing on that little voice, and making sure you understand what it's trying to tell Interesting. Now, I, I will definitely say something. There is a, I, I must say that there, there is a separation between uh, consciousness in the form of, you know, uh, conscientiousness in the form of, of, of that which, that voice that is telling you what's the right path to follow or something like that, uh, akin to, you know, the voice that Socrates will hear every time he would have to choose between two other, two options in life or more. And he said that he had a voice that will tell him in some way inside of him that will tell him the right path. Now, there is, that voice definitely is something, but I would definitely say that that voice is not directly related to the concept of happiness. Now, the concept of happiness uh, is it, definitely more related to the second aspect, which is, you know, the matrix. You just put forth a very interesting uh, way to, 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 to frame the problem of uh, consumerism, which is there is a world out there at least in, in the West in which we live today, that is constantly bombarding you with information about what you need, about your life is incomplete until you get X, Y, and Z. You know, there is a, you want this food, you need this food, you want this trip, you need this trip to be happy, you need to get into the cruise, you need to own a cell phone, you need to own a computer because otherwise you're not going to be happy, you need to own this body, etc., etc. There is definitely something very powerful in that second part, which is in, in, irrelevant to the, from the fact that whether it's right or wrong or the voice in your head that tells you stop doing it or do something, there is definitely something very powerful in the fact that we are constantly bombarded by a voice that is all the time telling us that we are incomplete. And happiness, there is no question about the fact that happiness, at least one element of happiness, is being content, which is the opposite of feeling incomplete. Happiness requires you to feel a sense of completion, a sense of, I have fulfilled what I want from life. But that sense can only come to you once you realize that there is no more pursuing something, that it's outside of you, that everything you, you want and you need is already inside of you. So in a way, happiness can only be achieved when there is a cessation of the desire for that which is outside of yourself. And uh, for example, Buddhist and Buddha himself he was, he was a very, very a great thinker by its own right. And one of the things that he tells us is that there is, no, there is always going to be suffering as long as you are desiring something. And suffering, he didn't mean by suffering in this case, pain in the sense as we mean suffering in the West, but much more what he wanted to say with the word suffering I is jealousy. correct, a sense of something is lacking from my life. As long as I don't achieve what I want and I don't consume every single desire that I have in life, I am kind of wanting more. So I'm incomplete. I'm not, I cannot be said that I'm happy. I cannot be said that I'm fulfilled and tranquil. A sense of happiness is a sense of tranquility. People sometimes mistake happiness with smiling or happiness with having a laugh in your face, but they are not the same. Happiness is a sense, in a sense, happiness is a sense of fulfillment, of feeling full. 
in life, feeling content, you are relaxed, there is a sense of tranquility that surrounds you. And definitely that matrix that you spoke about is telling you quite a bit the opposite. It's telling you all of the time that you should never stop searching, that you should never stop searching for your desires, for that which fulfills your desires, because you without the materials, you without the consumer, uh, the consumeristic impulse are nothing. And you cannot be happy if you don't have the last cell phone. You cannot be happy if you don't have a six-pack. You cannot be happy if you don't go to trips, et cetera, et cetera. That is something that definitely does affect the mind. Now, the second part that you spoke, Max, and I think that's an interesting thing that you spoke about, you know, the role of, of, um, of the conscious in the form of uh, moral consciousness, of the right thing, that which tells you don't do X, don't do Y, do something, help somebody. That sense, which is what relationship exists between good and the bad and the sense of happiness, that is a very interesting thing that should be explored. And in the, I don't know if we can explore it here. I don't think we will have time to explore the relationship that exists between the, the good and bad and happiness. Some people, you could say and you could argue that a person can be happy without doing a good deed in his whole life. Not to say that a person can be happy doing just bad deeds. No, I'm, I'm just focusing on the good. For example, a person can decide to become a hermit, a monk in a mountain, and never get out of that mountain without helping anybody, and therefore without doing any good to the world. And still you can say that that person has achieved an inner sense of serenity, of fulfillment and self-control, that that person is happy, which is, for example, the ideal Buddhist state of nirvana, for example. In at least according to some schools of Buddhism. So you could argue that happiness is, at least at its core, unrelated to doing good or to doing bad. However, there is no arguing also the opposite, which is that when we do good deeds and we receive the feedback of the people that are receiving the good deeds that we are doing, we do feel ourselves. Exactly, Max. And that's the important element here. It is true that happiness can be achieved or at least accessed without doing the good. But it is also true, the converse, which is when we do the good, we feel a sense of fulfillment, by the way, much more than we will just follow the consumeristic impulse, meaning my desires. We feel yeah, much better, correct? You, you have realized yeah. that. We feel much better. For example, yes, tell me. What I, was, what I researched is, when you ask the uh, random person on the street what makes them happy, they're going to say, hanging out with their friends, listening to music, playing soccer, going to the gym. These things that give you a glimpse of happiness, of happiness, but it's not pure happiness. Pure happiness is how you're saying. Like when you help others, that feedback that you get, you feel like a sense of happiness around it. And that's the core difference between happy being happy, which is kind of like having fun, and happiness, which is pure and serenity, how you said, being able to be at peace with yourself. That is, that is absolutely correct, Max. I think that the difference that you are making there is, 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 is given precisely in the fact that happiness, or happiness in its fullest sense, yes, as you said, there is a glimpse that is perceived when you do go to the gym and you are with your friends and stuff like that. But there is nothing can feed happiness as much as, as doing meaningful 
meaningful deeds or meaningful things. When a person does things that are meaningful, whether it is helping poor people, helping the world, or helping a person that needs um, uh, that needs a, a job, and you are teaching that person how to make their own uh, uh, ends uh, every month and stuff like that. But it's that those aspects of a life that is in search of meaning instead of in search of pleasure. That's what actually is more tied to happiness than pleasure. So, for example, when a person is feels his life with uh, pursuing meaningful deeds, helping your father, helping your mother, helping your friends, uh, you know, increasing the good in the world, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, the sense that it gives that person is a sense that of that serenity. I'm doing, I'm doing what's right, and I'm, I'm feeling like you know there is recognition, there is honor that follows through, but then. There is the person that, for example, says, no, my happiness is just following what's pleasurable to me. I'm just going to go, go after pleasures, whatever that is, whether it is a sexual pleasure, whether it is food pleasure, whether it is. And what tends to happen is while you are doing the, whatever deed you are doing and pursuing, you may feel good. But after, you feel a sense of emptiness and you need to feel, fulfill it again. It's kind of like, oh my God, I, I just want to eat something amazing. And you go and you eat something in a great restaurant and then. A few moments later, you're like, well, I don't know, it kind of, it, it wasn't like what I expected, or maybe I want more of it, but in the, that doesn't happen when you help somebody. When you help somebody, when you finish the deed of helping, the feeling of fulfillment accompanies you for so much longer. Like a month later, later, you can still remember that deed and feel, ah, I feel in peace with myself that I did that, that, that deed. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. And this, concept of the matrix and the pleasure it's a cycle like boom you buy a car you're happy for a few for a few years or whatever months and then you realize i didn't do car you buy a phone next year you need a new phone like you you eat a great meal and then literally hours later you need more you're never Correct. truly at peace with yourself Correct. That's how Correct. You helping, Correct. helping other people you feel at peace, it's in your head and will stay in your head for the longest time. Correct, correct. You could say, and, and this is an interesting uh, reflection, actually, because you could say, by the way, this reflection that you are making right now is, is basically something that Buddha made, in Buddhism made, 2,500 years ago. And the philosophers, uh, many philosophers, of, the, of, of Greek philosophers, made this, this, uh, this observation too, which is that pleasure seems to be almost like um and by the way king solomon make this makes this observation if i'm not mistaken either in michele or in kohelet which is precisely this which is a person that pursues pleasure pleasure is like a like a black hole the more you pursue it the more it swallows from you meaning the more you need it the more you need to fulfill it the more you you are pursuing pleasure and the pleasure doesn't give you enough so it's like an addiction you start with a little bit and you are like, wow, that, that's great. But then you need more to get to the same level of stimulation. And then you, give, you need more. And then you keep giving it to yourself. And then you need more. So, for example, there was a time people watch, you know, uh, a series in TV. And they would watch once a week the series. But they never binge the series. Because it, but then today you have this, no, I just watch one. But I need to watch the next one. But I need to watch the next one. And there is nonstop. It's like always empty. 
you finish the watching and then you need uh, fulfillment again because you it 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 it, uh, it devoids you of a feeling. So and that's a very interesting observation, which is pleasure seems to be a cycle without end. So it's like you pursue and then it you feed it, and then the more you feed it, the more hungry it becomes. Or sages said the pleasure has that quality. Or sages in the Talmud says the following. The more you feed pleasure, the more hungry pleasure becomes. That doesn't ha- happen with happiness, Max. Happiness is exactly the opposite. When you find it, you feel a sense of peace. You don't need to pursue more. You don't need to go running. You don't get hungry for more. You are kind of like in a sense of, oh, this is it. I have found my place. That's a very good difference. Exactly. And another thing I've come to realize that many people chase happiness. Right? They try to mm-hmm. they try to chase happiness as much as they can. But what I've come to realize is that at one point in your life, you're not going to be happy. For mm-hmm. maybe months, years, or days, there's gonna be a time where adversary, sorrow, and pain is gonna to come to your life. You're going to have to deal, learn how to deal with it. And if your life goal is to be happy, then your life goal is demolished because happiness is something that comes and goes. Great, great uh, reflection there, Max, too. By the way, the Greeks, philosophers, they will say, they will say that happiness is a paradox. Happiness, the more you pursue it, the more it escapes you. But, they said, happiness comes to you obliquely, meaning you have to pursue something else and then happiness comes to you. So for example, the person that is helping another human being, he's not saying, I'm going to help to be happy. You say, I'm going to help because I want to help. And then the result of that help is what? Happiness. In other words, happiness comes to you when you are least pursuing it directly. It's when you are pursuing it on the side, you're pursuing something else. You're pursuing, you know, you're, you, you, you teach your kids something. And then you feel, whoa, what a sense of peace and fulfillment. You do an amazing set of pets and you feel, whoa, I, 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 I transmit my tradition to my kids or to my family. And you feel a sense of peace. That's happiness. It's you are pursuing something else. I'm going to give you an example here. Many times, uh, the best moments of my happiness, uh, Max, is actually doing something that nobody will describe as happiness. For example... I'm exerting myself in the mountains for hours, hours. I can be hiking for 14, 15 hours in a row. And then after it, I feel a sense of accomplishment and peace. But when I was doing that in the mountain, I was not pursuing happiness. I was pursuing maybe the views of the mountain. I was pursuing maybe the adventure. But then the consequence of me pursuing something not related to happiness creates a sense of happiness and serenity and tranquility and and happiness. So the Greeks realize that happiness seems to be that type of thing. And the more you try to face it frontally, the more it will run away from you. But the more you focus on other things that give you meaning, the more it comes to you as a result, not directly, as a result of that, uh, per, that, that primary pursuit. And that what you said is extremely important, which is the idea that happiness in and of itself cannot be constant. There is no such a thing as a person that will be in a constant state of perfect serenity and tranquility and fulfillment. Maybe a Buddhist 
that has reached nirvana or something because that 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 the the unique thing of the Buddhist the religion, but in philosophy, but if a normal human being that has a family that has it's not there's not such a thing as being a constant thing of happening. In fact, you could say that this is precisely the fact that happiness is not constant that makes happiness what it is. Because if happiness was constantly in you be your lap, you will not recognize it as such. You will recognize that's my normal state. It is the fact that it comes and goes that it gives you the necessary contrast to be able to recognize it when it gets to you. So when it gets to you, you are like, oh, that's now I'm happy. Why? Because before you were not. And that's when you recognize that you have achieved it and, and that you have a relationship of coming and going with it. It's not a constant relationship. It's an undulating relationship, which you enter into contact with it, but then it goes far away from you and then you touch it back every now and then. But that's a very good observation, Matt. And that's what gives it value. Correct. That's what, that's what gives it value. Correct. The fact that it's scars, the part that is scarcity to it, that it's not all the time in your lap. Exactly. And I had another question about how does happiness tie into with your success? Because you can be successful and not happy. Just as you mentioned with the, I don't know if you said that with the, like the, the, the Buddhist monks, that they've never done anything else for the world, but they're successful. Very good. So, now I would... And they've never gotten that glimpse of helping someone else that because they've, they've never had the chance. So are they never going to be happy? That's a very good point. Now, the, the point is this. The first thing is that Buddhist monks, by the way, there are many different schools of Buddhism. I, I, I spoke about the specific ones of the ones that are more hermit and, and hermit and they go to the mountains and they just meditate for themselves to achieve nirvana and that's it. But, but there is something else. Success is measure in objective terms, Marx. Happiness is not measured in objective terms. So happiness is a subjective feeling. But, but, but there is nothing outside that you can measure happiness. I mean, I cannot say, oh, you have a Ferrari, that guy must be happy. There is no correlation between having a Ferrari and being happy. A person can be happy and not have anything. And vice versa, a person can have all and be extremely unhappy and unsatisfied with life. Success is an is a, is a objective measurement of the degree to which whatever you have put your mind to or your money into or your goals or whatever, you have achieved those goals. So success is measured in material wealth. For example, if my, if I, my goals were to make money and I made money, my, I was successful in making money. If my goal was to become a doctor and I went and became a doctor, I am success. I became. I, I, I was. I had success in becoming a doctor. So success is an. A, um, an uh, uh, objective measurement of the degree to which the things that I put my mind into or my money into or my whatever my goals into were fulfilled. Now, in the case of happiness, it's different. There is really no direct relationship between success in the sense as people use it today. You know, I have achieved success in my career. I have achieved success in my money making. I have achieved success in buying a house or whatever. And happiness. Many people have not achieved success in the sense that everybody will say, oh, that person is successful. Nobody will call that person successful, but still that person may be happier than everybody else that everybody will describe as successful. So in other words, success and happiness do not have a one-to-one -one correlation. They don't relate to each other in a perfect 
way. It is true that success is capable of bringing a sense of fulfillment and happiness. It's also true that a person who has achieved a, a very high level of happiness has been successful in achieving that particular goal. If that has been his goal to achieve a sense of serenity, tranquility, and happiness, and he has achieved it to a large degree, that person can be called successful in that measurement. Now, but success, when we talk about success in general, when we talk about happiness in general, those two are not necessarily overlapping um, um, uh, objects. Okay, so the main meaning, they, they, one thing is to be successful, one thing is to be happy, and though there may have some overlap, the overlap is not a perfect overlap. Yeah, but as you say, there's a slight overlap because I was watching, a, I researched this video of Jordan Peterson. He said that success in life is that you've justified your privilege of existence regardless of what came your way. And at that point, you would feel, if you justify your existence, you can be happy of the fact that you justified your existence. Yes, I would say this, Max, you are correct if you define it that way. But I would say that that's to define success in too narrow of a way. Yes, I agree that if we define success the way you just defined it, you are correct that then success has been made to be to be something very, very close to happiness. But the fact of the matter is that the word success, at least when you look at the word success in the dictionary, is not directly related to the more philosophical definition that Jordan Peterson gave. Jordan Peterson is giving a very philosophical definition of success, which is that you are justifying your own existence in your own eyes. Now, that's a very philosophical definition. Most people in the street, if you ask them, what is a successful person? They will not give you a definition like that. They will give you a definition that is- money or something like that. Correct. They will give you something like much, much, much more simple and superficial. And uh, in that superficial sense, there is definitely not direct relationship, maybe an indirect one between success and, 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 and happiness, but, but but definitely, according to the Jordan Peterson definition, it's a definitely much more close. It closes the gap quite a bit between success and happiness. 100%. I agree with that. And how do you co correlate happiness with your religion, as in Judaism, for example? Um, mm -hmm. okay, okay, explain it to me a little bit more, your question. How do you correlate being happy mm -hmm. with your religion? Like, yes, you can. In fact, you could say that religion has definitely um, an uh, a influence upon happiness for various reasons. Uh, number one, religious people, and these religious people, as, as religion is understood here in the West, they have a sense of acceptance of uh, things that go against their will, for example. That sense of acceptance does definitely help to maintain a sense of lightness in the world, you know, in your experience of the world. In other words, a religious person usually frames bad things in the following way. If it happened, it must be for the good, even though it, I don't understand it now. So in other words, a religious person may take less to heart bad things because he's convinced that whatever happens What's the best possible, the, the best possibility in every in every world? In other words, it was 
according to the plan of God. That belief definitely helps a person not take too seriously bad things, or at least not take too seriously its own definitions or her own definitions of the bad. You know, you kind of like uh, swim better the current, the negative current of life. Let's put it that way. Now, that's number one. But there is a number two aspect, which is also very important. Religious people tend to have a sense of mission in life especially religious people that are committed to their religion, Max, they have, they have a sense of purpose because they believe that they are in this world for a reason. And that reason was given to them by the prescriptions of their religion. Uh, if you are Jewish, you believe that you have a mission in this world, which is what God gave you. If you are a Christian, you have a mission in this world, which is what God gave you to do in this world. And Islam, the same. In other words, the person that is religion, at least religion as it's seen in the West, in the, in the Judeo-Christian and Islamic traditions, what you get is a sense of purpose in life. Now, there is a no question in my mind, in the mind of many people that have studied the subject, that one of the necessary condiments of happiness is a sense of purpose. When a person knows what he is or believes he knows what he's here in this world to do, that sense and that pursuing of that sense fulfills the person and makes the person happy. When a person doesn't know what he's here, or if a person feels that he, they are an accident of nature, or that there is no reason for them to exist, and that ultimately, the same way that they were born, they are going to die, and everything is going to be for nothing. When a person has no sense of purpose, Max, it's very difficult to get a sense of tranquility, because anxiety kicks in. The anxiety of not knowing for what and where or to where am I going for, or uh, am I going at? So this religion definitely is a very powerful source of two very important uh, spices in the secret of happiness, or in, the, in, in what makes happiness, which is one of them is it gives purpose. And purpose is a necessary condiment for happiness. And second, it helps you deal with the negative aspects of life. When life throws you a curveball and a bad experience, you can say, you know, if you take it too seriously and you just let it bring you down, that's it. It's over. But in the case of religion, you cannot let it bring down because you have to say, if God is all good, God did this for my good. I may not understand it right now, but I will one day. And that view, there is no question that it helps quite a bit reframing your, the drama of your life, always for the better. And definitely these two things, at least superficially speaking, these two things are very important elements in happiness. And how, you know, in that, in Eastern society, like in China and Korea, they value like humans, like, like much less, like they give, they're like you know how in in Korean society, yes, you you keep like the last name. You only give them like a a little word like Kim Sunyeon, and then there's Jim Sunyeon, mm -hmm. Sunyeon. In those times where you have such little purpose, and you are like you think that you're worth nothing, how do you achieve happiness there? You know, they, to, to, to answer that question, I'm going to bring one of the greatest philosophers of Stoicism of ancient times. His name was Epictetus. He was a Roman slave, Max. And he said, you may chain my body, but you cannot touch my mind. 
And what he wants to say, Stoics were famous, Max. The Stoics were a school of philosophy in, of, of, of ancient times, of, 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 of uh, not ancient times, well, ancient from now, well, from us, but uh, from the times of the, of the Greco-Roman world. And the Stoics were very strong in, in their commitment to self-control, in their commitment to control their emotions to things that were to happen in the world. And, uh, and Epictetus said, you know what? Yes, you can enslave my body, you can make my body, you can give all the pain you want to my body. But in my mind, I'm as free as a free man can be. Why? Because these philosophers understood that a lot of happiness is a question of framing. How do you frame what's happening to you? How do you frame your place in the world? So for a, a philosopher like Epictetus, even though he was a slave, because he framed his existence as a teacher of the of the of happiness he was trying to teach the world that you can be happy even under the shackles of slavery and because of that his mind was free in other words he achieved a way or he achieved an entry into a world in which that world which is the world of the mind can never be touched no matter what happens outside of you you just have to reframe the issue let me give you an example nobody feels that unhappy because they cannot fly. Why is it, Max, that nobody feels unhappy because they cannot just fly like a bird? Because it's not possible. No one good. Be- exactly, because you have framed the issue and you have said, why would I be unhappy about something that nobody has ever done and there is no possibility to do? It's ridiculous to waste my energy in that. So you have, you have detached yourself from that affecting you even though there are birds that can fly, you're not going to let that affect you because it's absurd. In a, in a world, Max, in which every single human being, imagine a world in which all human beings lived only until 20 years of age. Imagine a world like that, in which, genetically speaking, humans could not live more than 20 years of age. Do you think anybody would be unhappy if they reached 20 years of age? No, it would be like, that would be their version of success. Exactly, that would be, you live a full life. That's a full life, but would you be unhappy? It's like for us today to live until 100. Nobody's unhappy when they say, oh, poor guy, he died so young when he died at 100. Why? Because we accept that as the normal. Well, for a stoic philosopher or for a philosopher that has work on his mind, he understands that a lot of happiness is a question of how I frame the problem. Do I see the glass half empty or do I see the glass half full? So even in a situation like North Korea, Max, True, they don't have several freedoms. True, true they, they have some totalitarian governments and stuff like that. They still enjoy the small things in life. They still enjoy meeting with friends. They still enjoy coming together in a festivity. They still enjoy working hard for food. They still enjoy... There is still a way to refrain. There is almost no human condition that cannot be refrained. Even the worst possible suffering in can be refrained. There is a story in our people uh, when Rabbi Akiva was being killed. Do you remember that story? Rabbi Akiva was being killed with iron. His, his skin was taken apart by the iron uh, uh, combs. Do you remember that story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what? And his students saw Rabbi Akiva and they saw him smile. And they are like, Master, how can you be smiling at this moment? What is all this pain that they are inflicting upon you? What was his answer? You know what was his answer? Look how Rabbi Akiva was able to refrain the pain 
at the end of his life, he refrained that pain and he said, it is given right now to me the opportunity to die, sanctifying the name of my God. How can I not be smiling? Exactly. He accomplished everything that he meant to accomplish. He influenced a certain amount of people. He changed, changed the world. Correct. And at the end, when they were killing him, they were killing him because he was teaching Torah and police. He said, yeah, that's my happiness. I'm dying and showing my students that I'm willing to die for this. And I'm living with the last word. My last word to you is, know through my act how important what I was doing is to you. And the students, when they saw that, that what do you think happens with the students? They will never f- forget that their teachers die teaching them. And, they will ne- and that is more powerful than all the teaching of Rabbi Akiva's life. So that Rabbi Akiva was able to refrain pain into happiness, into a moment of serenity, into a moment of tranquility, because he was leaving this world full. So again, yes, there is definitely certain things in life that can help you maximize your happiness, but there is no question that even in the worst conditions, there is still the power of the mind, Max, that is able to refrain the situation in a way that can give it redemption. So, Moray, if I can yes. leave you with one thing, I want to ask you the same question I asked you in the beginning. How do you define happiness? After everything we've talked about, after everything we've heard, after everything we've discussed, how do you define happiness? I must answer you, Max, that I still cannot define it with one word. I think that it transcends the, uh, the one word definition. But if I have to choose, I would say that there are three words that come to my mind. There is a sense of serenity, a sense of fullness, and a sense of no needing anything, not looking outside anymore, because you have achieved what you have achieved. Meaning it's a sense in which I don't have the anxiety to pursue anymore. When we are hungry, we pursue food. But when we are full, we have a sense of peace. Well, I think it's the same way. When you are pursuing a girl, you are pursuing a girl and you feel a sense of anxiety. But then when you get the girl, you feel a sense of peace. You are fulfilled. That if I were to say happiness, what can I, um, you know, simplify to? I would say it's a sense of completeness, fulfillment, um, tranquility, and serenity. I would say those four words for me describe happiness the closest. Well, thank you so much, Maria, for this amazing discussion. I feel like we, we, we discussed a lot of important topics here. I cannot thank you enough. Do you have anything else to say? Nothing else, Max. I'm very impressed, by the way, with this podcast of yours. I'm very impressed also with uh, your ability to express yourself in such a complex way, by the way. I was quite impressed in, in, in when you were asking me these questions and when you were coming up with so so many ways to, to explain what you were trying to say. So props to you. Really, really impressed. You have grown quite a bit since last time I saw you. Yeah, yeah. A pleasure. A pleasure, Max. Like always. Here for whatever you do. Okay? Bye bye.